If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. into the weekend, the Easter weekend uh, that it will be in. On the cusp of the Masters 2021, that back to its familiar April Springs place on the calendar uh, at Augusta next week. And, of course, that will be uh, something we'll talk about in the next week or so. Brett Martineau here at Hidden Hills Golf Club. Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Jack studios. And we've got news out of Major League Baseball where the All-Star game will be moved. This is significant, Austin. In part because they were going to celebrate Hank Aaron, of course, uh, in the Atlanta area with this All-Star game. Passed away recently. And I think that has some significance. But the voting laws that are uh, happening in Georgia right now uh, prompt a move by Major League Baseball to get the All-Star game out of there. Pretty significant. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm not sure if this has been done before. Um, from Major League Baseball's perspective. I mean, this kind of took place for the All-Star break that was supposed to be in Charlotte, right, for the NBA? Um, didn't they vote to get it out of Charlotte? Was that yeah, the plan? I think it, I yeah. think it did. Uh, they voted to get that out of Charlotte. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so um, kind of a big day for Major League Baseball. You know, I mean, obviously sometimes things can get a little political, um, regardless if it's sports or not. And, yeah, it's, it's just an interesting story right now. Yeah, and... I think major, you know, the NBA making moves like this. I think is, again, they're a more liberal organization, uh, the most liberal organization we have in sports, perhaps. Uh, major League Baseball not not the case. So I think this is pretty significant for them uh, and uh, their players and owners and, and everything else. So uh, once again, we see this intersection over really the last year, and, and it's happened in sports for decades and decades. But uh, society issues, if you will, uh, sometimes political issues. Uh, in this case, uh, voting uh, rights and rules uh, impacting sport. So there is no host city right now for Major League Baseball, and uh, they are looking into where that host city will be. But you talk just about the logistics of this, Austin. You got a few months now to pull something together and make something happen. Yeah, and you know, I mean, at the same time, good for Major League Baseball because you know they they are made up of uh, um, kind of you know of. Uh, a variety of races and, and things like that. So it, it, it's good to see them kind of following the, the landscape of the NBA a little bit and kind of being at the forefront of, of making this change. Now, obviously, some people are, aren't going to agree with it. Um, but overall, I think, you know, this is the, the players coming out and saying, we don't feel comfortable playing there and we'd rather play somewhere else. As far as where that's going to be, they obviously have some time um, to do that. I wonder, you know, if it's with Jackie Robinson, like, do you go to L.A. then? Because, like, you know, he spent some time there, obviously. I wonder what's going to transpire from that. 
Well, I think a little bit of the problem there will be California. I mean, California, what are they open to? What can you have there? All those. So uh, there's some hoops to jump through, no doubt. But I guess the way this has been during the pandemic, there may there may be a lot of spots that couldn't wait to host <laughs> something like this mm-hmm. and pull something together quickly, especially with a lot of event. A lot of times events are in, in the calendar booked up like years in advance for big time things. So uh, it would be maybe hard to get hotels, facilities, all the logistics. But the way the pandemic has been, Nothing really has been planned too far in advance uh, in, in our world, not just in sports. And so, because nobody is fully sure what to expect in July and August and, and October and all the rest. So maybe this will actually be easier. Uh, than it would be in, in any other year or any other time to be able to do it. So we'll keep you updated on the latest from uh, Major League Baseball. Have a couple of big league topics today. Anyway, I want to get to a little bit later on. But uh, let's start in the football world. And we were talking uh, a little bit before the show, and I thought you brought up an interesting point. Penny Sewell, it's his turn for the pro day, right? He's considered the uh, best uh, tackle in the draft, and maybe by far. It could be a generational talent. We talk generational talent with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Penny Sewell could be that guy when it comes to a left tackle in the NFL. And you brought up an interesting point. With all the quarterbacks, with all the star-studded receivers, and Kyle Pitts included, how far could Penny Sewell slip in the first round of the draft? And if he does slip, would the Jags or other teams show interest in going to get a guy like this? Uh, a view we really haven't wondered too much about, because I think Cincinnati is... Uh, penciled in to get Sewell. It's almost like the fan base even wants the offensive lineman, but with all the buzz around Kyle Pitts, with all the buzz around Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith and, and Waddle, you never know what they'll do with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. Penny Sewell slipping in the draft could happen. In fact, I think I saw Todd McShay's draft had him all the way down to like number 12 or something, Austin. I think that would be a severe drop, so unexpected. But it would be interesting to see who would run up and get him if he does start to slip. Yeah, Tom McShay had him going number 13 to the Los Angeles Chargers. Okay, 13. Yeah. Yeah, it's... um, no way he gets to 13. Well, I will say this, though, uh, about these mock drafts, especially from Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay. As you get closer and closer to the draft, um, they start to come to fruition a little more, and they start to become a little more accurate. Now, once again, uh, are you going on a limb and saying that Penny Sewell is going to fall to 13? I think you are. I still think that he's the favorite to go to Cincinnati. But if Jamar Chase is there, if Kyle Pitts is there, um, do they forego the offensive tackle spot and and give, you know, Joe Burrow another weapon and maybe address it via trade or um, maybe on the free? I'm not really sure if there's any big free agent guys. That's probably not, obviously. So I think he's a favorite to go to Cincinnati. But if Cincinnati foregoes him, then he could drop. And I think if he drops, and obviously Kyle Pitts is gone, um, it does beg the question, should Jacksonville go up there and, and take him? Because, and like to me, I, I compare it to, and I'm trying to think. So I guess it would be like Pouncey and Ben Roethlisberger. Because I feel like they came in together, right? They're drafted together. Uh, that sounds right. I believe yeah. so, yeah. And like, you know, they, they kind of always. Well, that couldn't have been it. No? Nah, nah, nah. Roethlisberger was drafted before. All right. Well, then, yeah, he then, was drafted a few years before. Okay, I, I want to say Roethlisberger was around '04, and Pouncey had to be uh, definitely later than that because he won okay. those national championships. Sc- yeah, scratch that then. But you know, I always feel like if you can get, you know, like what are we talking about? We're talking about weapons right now for Trevor Lawrence. But at the same time, if you can, and with everyone's what they're saying about, you know, Sewell's right. He's supposed to be like this bookend left tackle, gonna play in the league a long time. I mean, if you can pair him up with Trevor Lawrence for years and years and years to come, I think that's worth taking a look at. 
Yeah. What do you think is the can't miss position in terms of projecting talent? Is left tackle like is Penny Sewell guaranteed as much as guaranteed can be to be good? Uh, where Trevor Lawrence is his prospect, but we know the bustability on on quarterbacks uh, can be volatile. Uh, receivers, I think, are hit or miss. I mean, you can get a better one in the third round sometimes. We know that's the case with running backs. Is it pass rusher, uh, defensive tackle, and maybe left tackle, those big dudes, that if you invest heavily, if people really think, hey, this guy's the next great thing, they're often right that that's the next great thing? Uh, it's it's hard to really lock down on any position because I can bring up Luke Jokel. I can bring up Eric Fisher. Now, Eric Fisher yeah, but nobody his... said they were the next great thing, though. But they're still taking one and two overall. They were, so you got to keep it in the context. I'm saying Penny Sewell is viewed as like a generational talent, maybe. Like people are saying this guy is great, like bona fide star, much like they're talking about Trevor Lawrence. There are a lot of quarterbacks that get taken high, but nobody says they're generational or they're 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 like a foregone conclusion to be great. Uh, Penny Sewell kind of fits in that mold. Like, hey, these guys think this guy's can't miss. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um. I think you have a better shot at a tackle than a lot of other positions. Um, I think when we hear about, you know, I mean, I'm trying to think like the, the, the last tackle that was like supposed to be hyped up and then he never. Like, I remember like uh, Robert Gallery way back in the day out of Iowa. Um, he was like really touted highly. And then obviously, yeah. you know, he had some mental issues and things like that. So to answer your question, if, if a tackle is highly touted coming in the draft, then yeah, I think it's. Um, will he be the best one? Maybe not the best one of the draft, but he should be dependable, um, and he should be great moving forward. I think probably the answer to my question is if I look at the positions, I feel like the safest guys over the years. Look at uh, Khalil Mack. People thought he was going to be really good. He is. Look at uh, uh, Chase Young. Look what he just did, right? And, and that was God, bona fide star. Mm. Uh, I feel like the defensive tackle, defensive end position is one that is – more hit rate when people label guys to be great. Uh, and now there are some exceptions. Like Clowney's considered to be, whoa, he's going to be unbelievable. Never seen a guy like this. Look out. I don't think he's lived up to that. Now, he hasn't been a bad player, but he hasn't lived up to that. So I feel like if you had to nail down a position where if I took all the experts over the years and said, this guy is going to be great, I would say more often than not we're leaning toward the – defensive line to defensive pass rusher position to say, you know what, they're right more often than they're wrong. Sure, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, How about, I'll present a scenario, because I think Cincinnati is really interesting here with Kyle Pitts and all these other pass catchers, Jamar Chase reuniting with Joe Burrow potentially, and then Penny Sewell, which is the logic pick, especially after your guy just got his knee obliterated in his rookie season. And I still believe, by the way, they will take the safe pick in Penny Sewell because that's the right pick for the long-term build. But if he were to slip by Cincinnati, and let's just say Cincinnati, for argument's sake, takes Kyle Pitts, well, then does Miami do that? Do they take Penny Sewell, and they, or, or do they go with one of these pass catchers? Because I think they moved up to number six to put themselves in a position to take Pitts or a pass catcher. But... I almost think after they get rid of Tunsil, they got a young quarterback. I don't even know if Penny Sue would get by them at six. I think that would become the logic. Yeah, choice. but then they just get Austin Jackson, though. Isn't he the rookie out of USC in the first round last year or two years ago? Yeah, 
that was last year. Is he? How do they like him? I mean, I think he's obviously there's room to grow from him. Um, I think he he's had like an that op- early 20s selection. I think does that sound right? Possibly, yeah, I mean, I can't remember where he was drafted. All I know is he's from USC. I'm pretty sure he was a first-round pick. Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I, I really have no idea how Miami feels about Austin Jackson. I do know that if you take a guy in the first round at the yeah. left tackle spot, you kind of want to see that through a little bit. Um, I'm not sure, like, I'm trying to look up his pro football focus stuff right now to see. I'm like, that's going to be the, the bearer of everything, you know. Yeah. But, he was in the 18th overall pick, by the way. He was the 18th overall pick of yeah. – Last year's draft, uh, right? Last year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see what we got here. Austin Jackson, Pro Football Focus. So, ooh, ranked out at 50, uh, 52.3, so he's in the yellow, which obviously is not that good. I don't know. I, I don't know if you move on from him after one year, you take him in number 18 in the first round. I think Miami would go in a different direction. But who, who knows? Maybe they're, they're all about – Penny Sewell, maybe he's the once-in-a-generational guy at left tackle, and maybe they move Austin Jackson someplace else. I just feel like if you invest the 18th pick of the draft, it's hard to go away from him unless you can visualize him playing right tackle or guard or something like that. Yeah, I agree. I, listen, I don't, I don't disagree with that notion, but I just wonder, is Sewell this kind of guy where you never really thought you'd even be in the mix for him, and now all of a sudden you end up with Houston's pick, which is number three overall, and I guess if they really wanted Sewell, they could have just stuck out at number three, but they got a good deal on the trade with San Francisco. They moved back, and then they moved back into the top ten at number six, so who do they covet? Did they just say, hey... Worst comes to worst, we're going to get Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase or Waddle or Devontae Smith, one of these guys. Or what if Sewell slips to us and we can get that kind of upgrade because this guy's considered to be that good and we don't have to wonder if Austin Jackson's any good. Instead, we get a guy that's bona fide, uh, perennial, pro bowler for the next decade. We feel so good about him. I think it'd be very interesting. I think it's really interesting with Cincinnati to begin with. And I think it'd be very interesting if Sewell were to get by Cincinnati, how a team like Miami would react. So uh, it's a fascinating process, man. We don't love to talk about the left tackles, but we also love to say that spot is locked up for a decade. And I think Miami uh, would love to solidify that offensive line for their young quarterback, future quarterback, and two or wherever that might be uh, going down the road. I think I can't imagine. I'm just going to reiterate my point here. I can't imagine Sewell slips too far. I just think somebody makes a move for him based on what people are saying. I, you know me. I don't sit here and try to pretend like I know how good Penny Sewell is. But if you read the stuff, you watch the stuff, you listen to the stuff on him, it's so good, the analysis. I mean, it, it's really like a, one of the better prospects to come out on that position in a long time. Well, I just can't imagine him slipping too far. Here's what Todd McShay said about Sewell slipping number 13 to the Chargers. Uh, because he opted out in 2020, scouts are watching Sewell's game film from 2019 when he was blocking for Justin Herbert at Oregon. Let's reunite them. It's a bit of a shock. Wait, let's let's reunite. Okay, let's reunite them. It's a bit of a shock to see my third-ranked prospect fall this far, but nine of the top 12 picks were quarterbacks or offensive playmakers, causing a mini-slide. The Chargers are... The Chargers aren't complaining. Corey Lindsley, Matt Feeler um, were solid signings in free agency, but this offensive line still needs work, and Sewell is the best lineman in the class. Well, there you go. See, I mean, and, and McShay is kind of speaking to what I'm talking about. I understand McShay is trying to go with hey, these offensive guys, the quarterbacks, the receivers make sense. The quarterbacks, to me, make more sense than the receivers jumping up and get. But 
The point being, if he's got him as his third overall prospect, how does most teams, I think, are going to have Trevor Lawrence, number one, on their board, Penny Sewell and Kyle Pitts somewhere in their top two, three, four on their board. Well, then how does that guy slip to number 12 or 13? Unimaginable. I just don't think it happens. I understand for the sake of his mock draft, well, he, he got down to 13. He has the Dolphins taking Devontae Smith. Wow, that's it. And he had Pitts going where, to Atlanta or to uh, Cincy? All right, I'll, I'll scroll from the very top. we got Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson to the Jets, Mac Jones to the 49ers, Kyle Pitts to the Falcons, Jamar Chase to the Cincinnati Bengals, Devontae Smith to the Dolphins. Uh, then he's got Carolina trading with Detroit for Trey Lance. Jalen Waddles going to Detroit then. Patrick Sertain going to Denver. J.C. Horn going to Dallas. And then Justin Fields out of a trade with um, Justin Fields going to New England from a trade with New York. And then 12, Micah Parsons. And then 13 is Penny Sewell. Yeah, there's no way. There's just no way, in my opinion, that, first of all, I don't even think Cincinnati in that situation would go Jamar Chase over Sewell. I think they might go Pitts over Sewell, but I don't think they're going Jamar Chase over Sewell. Uh, I'd be stunned at that. And then I really don't think he's going to get by the Cowboys at number 10, so they can go with, like, the second cornerback on the board, which by J.C. Horn might be a little bit of a reach at number 10. So, uh, I I mean, but let's be honest, though. The the Cowboys need... A cornerback, like that. I mean, that's there's no ands, ifs, buts about it. Like that's what they have to address. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, and plus, I they it. they still have Tyron Smith too. Yeah, um, I think they would be. Uh, here's what I really think will happen. I think somebody's going to trade into that if he were to slip to seven, eight, nine somewhere at that point. You know, I think somebody was coming up, and I guess that's kind of the nature of our our topic. And, and really, your suggestion was: Would the Jags be interested? Mm-hmm. Should they be interested? Should they slide up? Like, all this talk about pits, what would you slide up? Like, so let's just answer our own question, I guess, in a nutshell. How much would you slide, move up, or, or what does he have to slide to to move up and have interest in a guy like Penny Sewell and having your left tackle with Trevor Lawrence for the next decade? I think that, see, because I don't think Dallas is going to, I think if he falls to 11, you trade up and get him. Because I don't see him falling. I just think if he falls to Dallas, I think Dallas goes secondary. I think they have Tyron Smith. They're happy with him. Obviously, some injuries, but I mean, he's when he's healthy, he's one of the better left tackles in the game. So what I would do, because uh, you have New England at number eleven, and do they go left? Tackle? I would trade with New England. I would trade with number eleven, New England, or number twelve, Philadelphia. They move up to get Penny Sewell if yeah, it came well, down to it. Well, keep in mind, New England had traded with the Giants to begin with, so the sure, Giants yeah, might not even Giants. move out of that spot True. You know, at number 11. Hey, here's what I would target, Austin. I think you're kind of onto something. I feel like if, if I'm starting to sniff that he's going to drop and get out of the top 10, and that would be like, I, listen, I never thought Josh Allen would slip to number 7, so it's doable, like it happens. But if he were to drop Penny Sewell and you feel like he's moving out of the top 10, I would probably do my best to get on the phone and call the Cowboys at 10, because I think that's where you got to get and hope that you're right, that they're going defense the whole way and they're okay on their line and they're not going to go after this guy. And so I think that's where I'd move. I'd get ahead of anybody else picking. At a, and by the way, I'm making the phone call. It might I might not be able to offer enough, but I think it would be an interesting uh, situation to explore. We're talking the Dolphins and Penny Sewell, so let's just to put a bow on it. We bring in South Beach Gary early in the show. What's happening, South Beach Gary, on a Friday? my call. Uh, I just don't think the Dolphins are going to uh, 
take, take Sewell because uh, if they would, they would have taken him at three and not risked the chance of losing him. So uh, what I think, guys, is I think Atlanta's going to trade out of the four spot with either Carolina or Denver to try to get more help for, for Matt Ryan. And I think uh, they're going to move into the four. Cincinnati, if they take Chase or Pitts, Miami will take the other at six. I appreciate it. Gary, uh, okay. Gary, real quick question for you. Austin Jackson, left tackle USC. Do you know how the Dolphins feel about him? How do you feel about him? Well, he was rated about just about average or a little above average to the Dolphins, but I, I consider that I think the Dolphins, Austin, are going to look for help at 18. You know, whether they, you know, they're going to take a place, uh, they're going to take a, a playmaker at, at six and then look for a help at 18. Don't forget they have two first and two second guys, so they can, they can still get a lot of offensive help. And I think they're going to look for a bunch of offense, playmaker, uh, offensive line help and running back in first or second round, maybe Devontae Williams in the second round. All right. Awesome. Appreciate it, Thanks, Thank uh, you. I, I, think, uh, I think he's right, by the way. I think you have to do all you can do this year to put Tua in a good situation to be able to judge him, Austin, you know, because you do have all this draft capital and the next couple of years. You've, you've got to know by the end of 2021 if you love Tua or not. Mm-hmm. And so to put him in a good position to be successful, whatever that is, offensive linemen, pass catchers, I think they really do need to do that. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Let's take a break. We'll come back. we talk more football. Of course, later in the show, Jaguars pass rusher Josh Allen joins us. Haven't talked to him in a bit. What does he feel about all the new changes in Jacksonville? The draft awaits here in the River City. The countdown is on. We're at Hidden Hills Golf Club. Beautiful, cool day, but it's still a beautiful, sunny day on this Easter weekend. You go to ESPN690.com for the Dream 18 card. Get a discount to play right here at Hidden Hills Golf Club and seven other area courses, plus some free stuff as well. That's on ESPN690.com. We'll be back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN690. Brent Martineau. How many push-ups did you do in three minutes? Did you try the challenge? Austin Lane. I don't, I don't need lactic acid build up when I'm in fight camp. Brent, you kidding me? Take my word for it. I've more than you. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. The utmost confidence that it was not a player-breaking protocol. We were very diligent in spring training throughout the whole spring training. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, the, the day we landed in D.C. was the day we got our, our first positive. So it was... Uh, uh, we could, it's only conjecture uh, on, on, on what uh, what happened and when it happened, and we don't want to get into that. That is the GM of the Washington Nationals, I believe, Rizzo. I was thinking when we said it was going to be Rizzo, I was thinking uh, Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, yeah. But uh, um, I was told that one, by the way. I don't get the guess. Steven's in for Kuz. Kuz off to another wedding. I guess people are allowing people at weddings now. Yep. And you know, Koo's got a lot of friends, so he's got to get those in. By the way, Stephen, not Stephen the caller. <laughs> Stephen who works in our building. Yeah. This is the first. Stephen, jump on that mic. First time you've done the show, man. I, I'm sorry you got stuck with this assignment because I don't know how far you have to be down the totem pole or whatever to get stuck with our show. We've been doing this for two years plus, and this is the first time for you. Uh, yeah, it is. And, uh, I, I honestly, when Justin said he was going to another wedding, I was just, I was very prepared to be asked to do something. <laughs> As you should be. I, I, everybody's on alert in the building. Justin's around the age of 30, whatever. That means he goes to weddings 
once every three weeks. All the time. Thank goodness the pandemic interrupted some of those. Yes. Yes. But now <laughs> we're getting way, back to our regularly scheduled program with weddings. Coos is going to uh, Coos is going to have his own wedding in a couple weeks. He'll yep. be gone. Are we going so, to cover that one or not? Yeah, we're not allowed to. Ah, we we're wait. We're not allowed to, or like he asked us not to. Because I feel like I mean, if we wanted to, we could. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we probably could. We could we'll find a way. Just saying. Okay. Hey, I just gotta. Uh, I I just want to let you know, parenting the next four years might be difficult for me. Why's that? Because uh, last night we had a uh, little baseball and softball at Bartram Trail, little Creekside Bartram Trail rivalry, and both the kids lost on walk-offs Ooh, in the last inning. That's a rough one. That was rough. It's a little different, like with Ty, because you know Ty's at second base, and you know he'll, you know, hopefully, don't make a play or um, to kind of mess it up. <laughs> sure. I mean, it happens, but hopefully it doesn't. Kaylee, though, is on the mound in the middle of the walk-off. Oh, so I got it's, you. Uh, it's a little different, you know. That, that's a little different. You know what I love? I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I, I won't talk too much about it, but I could write a book. Like, I, the whole – I am consumed by this, I will just tell you, right, as you know. Like, I mean, I've been on the road, been trying to catch as many games as we can uh, with the kids playing. There's just nothing like it, in, in my opinion. Uh, I was thinking of this the other day. I said, I think I would give up my playing career to watch my kids play. That's how fun it is, I believe, watching. Nice. Like, yeah. I, I really do. Like, that's to kind of give you some perspective, and I don't know if that's reality. Like, I, it might not be as fun if I didn't play, right? So, or if you didn't play sports, and so you, you can at least get a little bit of what it felt like or know what it feels like to be them or, or whatever it is. But, like, it's just really fun watching the kids play ball. Um, and and I love that my kids really love the games of baseball and softball. So I, I, uh, that's a treat, at least for me. But it's um, I, I rooted for this. Like they started, they're both freshmen and they're playing a bit. And uh, I said this at the outset. I was like, I am looking forward to all the fun things, and hopefully they have some success. But I genuinely am looking forward to the times of struggle. Right where it doesn't go well, mm-hmm. because I think you'll learn. Like I don't know everything about my kids. Like I, I just don't. I mean, I, we don't. We you could tell you you think you do, but you don't. And so I said that for months. Like it's coming. It's going to happen. The struggle, the the lows, and then it comes, and you're like, ooh, that's a stinger. For sure. <laughs> for sure. But Kaylee's right in the middle of it. She's pitching seven, and she's been pitching her butt off too. But they got her last night, and uh, and a walk off win. And it's, I think the, but it wasn't that bad. Like I really do. I think it was really good for like her and even her team. And I think the highs and lows are good about sports. Like I think that's what makes it up. We were just talking about this with like Marco Wilson and and Elijah Moore. And while losing a game isn't that. Uh, I was trying to put in perspective. Like there are games played. Every day at different levels, like big league level, collegiate level, little league level, uh, there are dance recitals, there are this or that. But when your kids are involved in it, it's like it's the biggest game on the planet. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's the only one you really, really care about. And so this happens all the time, winning and losing and stuff. But I do, I, that's what I like about sports. I like, you remember the times that you either made a mistake or lost a big game. Uh, you remember your bad games, Austin, uh, your good games. But that's like the highs and lows of sports to me. And competing and, and uh, kind of feeling that roller coaster of emotion are, 
That's what I love about sports, like appreciate about sports. I, I think that's why fans are fans. I think they like to feel that too in, in a way, even though they might not want to admit it all the time. But uh, the way we're living and dying with some baseball and softball these days in my house, it might be a long four years. That's the moral well, of the story. Yeah, man, it's the life lessons. It's the good and bad. That's what makes sports so great is that they prepare you for life, the good and the bad. And that's that's the biggest thing that I've taken away from really any sport that I played, you know, starting in high school. My high school, I mean, when you're young, it's all about having fun. And then as you get older, um, you realize that there's there's more on the line, you know, and there and there's prestige and then there's the there's the rough games as well. But it um it's all part of it. It's the journey that you take and it makes you a better person in the end. So yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, and you know what's here? This is the interesting part that I don't think you you get right now. Um I'm going to say that. I don't know if you do or don't, but like I wouldn't have like if I'm 10 years younger right now and somebody's telling me this story and they're like, yeah, my kids are playing or, or high school or whatever it is, and I'm like, relax, man, it's just like a game, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. relax. But it's it is different. So the people that have like done this and kind of we've talked to older, like they have older kids now or they've been through it and they sit there and they're like, enjoy it, you know, it goes fast, all this stuff, and enjoy even the good and the bad and the whatever. And then you're like, yeah, whatever, whatever. And now you like live a little bit of it. And we do it in travel ball all the time. But I love the fact that high school – I was wrong about high school ball. Like, I thought high school ball didn't matter much anymore. And you can tell to the kids that play it in, in all the sports, I think, um, that we know and, and that now we're experiential, but that it does still matter. Like it's really cool that that does matter. Winning and losing in travel ball doesn't always matter, to be completely honest. Yeah. You know, in travel ball, it's like, okay, is the scout watching? Or, you know, okay, we can play it again in 20 minutes. But it's really cool that high school still matters, and I was, I started to think over the years that it didn't anymore. You know, it was starting to lose its luster. Um, but at least, uh, you know, it, it feels like it does matter to wear the uniform still, which is pretty cool um, in in that sense. And and so, what now? I'll be like, I'll be the guy in ten years, like so when Ronan's playing ball or whatever he's doing, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and and you'll be like, oh man. That that play last night or that this last night. I'll be like, oh yeah, I've been there. You've been there. You <laughs> that's know awesome. What's up. And so and then and that's when you'll be like, like right now you're the guy. Be like, dude, relax. It's like a game. You got like ten more. <laughs> and then and but in ten years you'll be like that guy that you'll be like, ah, I know what you're talking about now, Brent. Sure, <laughs> like, sure, yeah. That, it's because uh, I've been the guy in in your shoes too at that age. So. Yep. It's uh, it is whack. It's I I think at times it's unhealthy how much we talk about <laughs> baseball and softball in our house. <laughs> like the kids are probably like, shut up. Like Steph and I d- dissect like every play. Yeah. And and like that's the way. See, I love baseball so much, so the little things matter. And softball is very akin to that. But the little things matter so much. And so I sit there and watch every. So Ty and Kaylee played, and people are like, hey, um, oh that's awesome. You get to see both in the same spot. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Like it's actually the worst mm-hmm. because, like, like I was locked in with Kaylee last night. Like every pitch, every pitch, locked in. I'm like, okay, she hit her spot. Like uh, it's one, two. It's this. It's that. And meanwhile, ties up, and I can see the scoreboard, but I can't see tie. And so I'm looking at the scoreboard. It's like ball one, strike one, <laughs> one two. So I'm looking. So, but I, I just got. And then te- Steph will text me. Okay, walk to her. You got to hit. Sure, or, sure. <laughs> and so that's how you do it. It's uh. But if I had to pick, if I had to pick, the kids could play at the same field, or if they could be in different venues, I would pick different venues. Yeah, yeah. Because it feels like you're missing more being there. Mm-hmm. 
and especially the way because I, I shoot the game, like I get the video of the games, and so I'm not going to go to both games. Um, I just stick out one. Now Steph actually stood on like top of the bleachers and watched both, <laughs> but she even said that's, she hated it. Like yeah, she hated. Yeah. It. But, I mean, <laughs> you, like you it. do what you got to do. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if that's what it is, and it's what it is. But I yeah. appreciate the effort, Steph. Yeah, Steph with a good effort last night. Yep. Uh, so anyway, congrats to Bartram Trail. They beat Creekside. We have a We're new signing in Jacksonville too. Breaking news. Oh, uh, the Damian Wilson signing is official. It's official. Oh, did you know about it? I kind of thought it was coming. Yeah. I got you. Surprised. Um, I guess. Uh, not really. Okay. Here's why um, I'm surprised. This, why are you surprised? Because he's a four-three Sam linebacker coming over to Jacksonville, and what we think playing in a defense he's never played in before. Because Is he could, because a he, special teams guy. Uh, he might be, but I know he started. I think thirteen. Let me look it up here real quick. Damian Wilson started 13 games last year in Kansas City and started 16 games back in 2019 as a Sam. But keep in mind, like, I guess because Kansas City, they play a 4-3, but it's like a hybrid. So, you know, you could call him a middle linebacker. I mean, obviously, if he comes to play in Jacksonville, he's going to be the middle linebacker here in a 3-4 defense. So I guess I can see that. But... I don't, I don't know. I guess it's more of a depth play, obviously, but I think he I think he can adjust going from a Sam to like a middle. That shouldn't be that big of a deal, I think. But it's, so, it's interesting. Yeah, he's he's a 27 year old guy, fourth round pick in 2015. Started with the Cowboys, been with the Chiefs. Um, if you obviously this is a Sutton move. I don't know because Sutton wasn't there when. Um, Oh, he when wouldn't have been there. Wilson was there, no. Yeah, I don't know. So I, maybe there's some kind of tie to a, a different coach on the on the staff, but I don't think it's Sutton. Um, I was just reading quickly on him. He suffered a serious uh, serious offseason injury in 2016 on his right eye while playing paintball. Be careful, kids. Wear always wear your masks, everybody. Yes. Um, yeah, this is this has to be a depth play. At linebacker and also I think a special teams play, but you're you're not wrong to say the guy started 29 games over the last two years. Yeah, and won for the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs in 19. You know. Yeah. Then that is a little bit interesting. Because uh, I mean you're not going to put him an outside linebacker. Like you're you're not going to put him a. You know, you're not going to put him at a Sam outside linebacker like where Josh Allen would be. There's no way. Because I don't think yeah, this guy is really a pass rush specialist. So this is a play behind, like, Schilbert? It would have to be. Is this a play that they didn't think Schilbert was very good? Yeah, but at the same time, you're going to bring in a guy who's not accustomed to playing a 3-4 inside linebacker, and he's going to maybe take over, I guess? Uh, now, Schobert didn't come from the 3-4. Did Schobert come from the Schobert, well, uh, but you got to remember in college, though, Schobert played everything. Yeah. Because he was, he was a outside linebacker. He was a middle linebacker. He was all over the place. I don't know and what this defense. You know, when, when we get to this stage of free agency and guys are still available, Austin, I, my first thing goes to special teams. Like, that's what I think of. Like, why is this guy available? Why is he still on the street? You know, sure. why is he? why didn't this guy get picked up a couple weeks back? And so I think special teams initially, I'm thinking depth, 
But I do think an interesting play here, and we just don't know, is there are some really wishy-washy feelings about the way Joe Schobert played last year. And so, again, they they didn't sign Schobert. So there's no loyalty there. And I'm not saying Schobert's going to get cut. But if he doesn't play better, maybe a guy like Wilson can get in there and, and play the role. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's no concern about Miles Jack and the way he played, obviously. Shouldn't be. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Damian Wilson. I don't really know what to think about it. I honestly don't think much about it. <laughs> yeah, huh? Just yet. Like, I just don't know the impact. Like, it doesn't get me excited. Well, it, no. it makes me curious. But it, it obviously comes with a little bit of cachet just because he did start so many games for the Chiefs last year and the year before yeah. that. So Yeah. Something to keep an eye on. like yeah. to ask uh, Urban Meyer and... and the defensive staff, Joe Cullen, like how they see him fitting in. Yeah. Uh, but a guy on the streets that, or, with all that starting experience, certainly helps you. Can't, or, make, can't, yeah. can't make it worse. Or another thing, too, I guess you can take a look at is, do they have him and Caleb on Chase on spot on first downs? Oh, there you go. Do do they not like how Caleb on Chase on played the run last year? Man, that's an interesting one. Um yeah, it's a curiosity in the signing, um, for sure, and it raises some questions. Uh, we'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We're live from Hidden Hills Golf Club. Come on over. Say hello. I'm very proud of my game and this right here. This logo right here means a lot. I got to go out there every single day and defend it and play as hard as I can with this for what I have in my chest. That's what it means. That number next to me, that's what it means. It's our $341 million, million reasons for me to go out there and play the game the right way. That is Francisco Lindor. Mets sign up to a big deal. I really like Lindor, man. He's a fun player. I've seen a documentary on him, too. A uh, really cool story about him. And, uh loves to smile then he's a fun guy to watch play the Mets have a good one they sign up like a 341 million dollar deal this week the Mets Nationals by the way uh COVID concerns and testing you heard it uh during the show already with some of the sound we played but that series is canceled so the Mets uh, with all the excitement can't even get going the Nationals with some excitement of their own I I got Juan Soto as my MVP candidate he's off to a slow start he can't even get out on the field so uh (laughs) Uh, hey, real quick question. Uh, uh, two things. Yes, Brent. I watched the Brewers game. Yes, it was a great <laughs> comeback. I couldn't believe it. My own. Like, I couldn't believe it myself. Insane. Did they come back? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Brent. Yeah. They hey, came Dick. back. They came back in, in in true Brewers fashion. Yes. Wow, that's a nice win. They were down five to two. <laughs> I know, Brent. So it's okay, though. Hey, you know what? Sometimes sometimes when your leadoff player of the year uh, comes up big. Now, I think he got walked, but still, I mean, commanding the plate like I've been calling all season so far, uh, good things are going to happen. Hey, we're a believer in our on-base percentage in our house, so um, walks yes. are okay. Walks are fantastic. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, hey, I thought this, watching the highlights uh, of a lot of the games, somehow missed the Brewers, I guess. But uh, Houston wins again. There are fans in, in Oakland that were holding up signs about them being cheaters. Like, I've kind of forgotten about that storyline. But remember, the fans couldn't go last year. Yeah. So they couldn't give them a hard time. But then I was looking at, like, Altuve and some of the guys that are still on that team, like Bregman. And I'm like, I said, I wonder if we're tired of Houston by now. 
from the yeah. cheating to the winning to the, like, hey, that was a cute story for a while, but now I'm tired of it. Like, have they reached that point to where we're kind of tired of Houston? You know, a little bit. It seems like the the news cycle has ran its course. I mean, it's crazy how people want to say that the Houston Texans, you know, are coming forward and trying to sabotage Deshaun Watson when we pretty much made it clear that's not the case. I think there's actually an issue going on with him, and time will tell as more allegations come out. How has nobody talked about the possibility that maybe the Houston Astros have like, you know, they're the ones responsible for COVID-19. <laughs> I'm just saying. Because everything kind of lined up perfectly where it's like, okay, Houston Astros are cheaters. Oh, and here's COVID-19. Oh, and here's the murder hornets. And all of a sudden we forgot about the Houston Astros. I think they, I'll be honest, I think they got off easier. I think that people, um, for the most part, have forgot about it. Now, every once in a while, if you go, you know, play a, a pretty serious team, um, you know, maybe the Dodgers per se, uh, there's going to be issues. But, Set aside from that, I don't see people really giving the Houston Astros a lot of crap. Are you saying that the Houston Astros might have behind the scenes called every massage therapist in the Houston area? No, no I'm saying they're more responsible for the murder hornets and possible COVID-19. I'm not okay. saying the Houston Astros are responsible for Deshaun Watt. But, hey, you know, hey, look into it. That's all I'm going to say. Never know. Look uh, into it. One of the big stories in sports just broke in the last hour when we started the show is Major League Baseball All-Star Game is not going to stay in Atlanta because of the voter laws that just happened in Georgia. Uh, listen, we try not to get political on the show. Whatever you believe, you believe that's fine. The bottom line is MLB's moving it out. And the store, that's a huge deal. In a year where they were going to celebrate Hank Aaron and his life and his impact on the game, and they still will do so, but they were going to do it in Atlanta at the new ballpark, all this stuff. I mean, it's significant to move a game out for these kind of reasons. My question is, will others follow? SEC championship game, other bowl games, kickoff classics. Could we get some of that, Austin? Atlanta's become a hot venue to host a lot of things, football-wise and other sports. Yeah. Could they do the same? I think so. I think that... If Major League Baseball is doing it, then you got to take a look at other sports doing it. Because once again, I think Major League Baseball is made up of um, all a bunch of nationalities and you know foreign players. But they, I feel like they've always been more traditional in terms of how to handle politics. If they're starting to be at the forefront of things, then yeah, I think other leagues and other teams are going to take notice. The Atlanta Braves, by the way, issued a statement deeply disappointed by the decision. This was neither our decision nor a recommendation. We're saddened that fans will not be able to sell, see this event in our city. Braves organization will continue to stress the importance of equal voting opportunities. We had hoped our city could use this event as a platform to enhance the discussion. Unfortunately, businesses, employees, and fans in Georgia are the victims of this decision, partly, they said, in a statement. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, live from Hidden Hills Golf Club. What do you got in the Final Four? It's happening this weekend. We talk about it next. If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. 